Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Hey PCC, it's Gary. Welcome. Welcome to all our people watching online, especially welcome to our house churches. Hey, real fast, speaking of house churches, we've got a great problem. We have more people that want to be in a house church than we have house churches. So if you have a home that you would like to open up, I would ask every stakeholder, pray about this, please. And if God's given you the green light, email Scott Kirksey at Scott, uh, Scott K at wearepcc.com. All right, we're on this series on the fruit of the Spirit, week two. Let me bring you into an experience I had two weeks ago. Unbeknownst to me, in the middle of one of our heat waves and smoke storms, around 6 p.m., a huge oak tree across our street fell and pulled down a power line, and it cut off power to every house on the 100 block of Grand Street across the street. Now, I discovered this when I went for a walk around 10 p.m. I just saw all my neighbors across the street in their front yards in pitch darkness, sweating, complaining how their food was spoiling, how it was hotter in their house than outside, how they couldn't even shower. Their home was like a sauna. You know, as I walked down the block past the down power line and the utility workers fixing it, I thought, it's amazing how my neighbors and I can live across the street from each other and have a completely different experience. My evening was filled with laughter in an air-conditioned house, well-lit, with ice cream. Theirs was anything but that. What was the difference? Our power lines. See, we were tapped into active power sources. They weren't. Do you know in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says this. Paul says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, that's our power source. So you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. That's another power source. Friends, the offer on the table, if you will, is that in Christ, we can root our lives to the power of the Holy Spirit. He can electrocute us, as one PCC or told me, and produce supernatural, radiant lives. Those lives will create fruit in our lives. That's the brand of the Christian life. Last week, we looked at love. This week, we're looking at joy. Did you know that joy is a central theme in the Bible? And it's an evasive theme in our world, especially in 2020. You know, I just Googled books this, this week with the joy of in the title. Immediately, 90,000 results came up. There's a lot of people looking for joy out there. There's the joy of cooking, uh, the joy of painting by Bob Ross. The Joy of Mathematics was a book, clearly a work of fiction. <laughs> this book called Spark Joy by Marie Kondo. It was on simplicity. You remember this. She talks about holding up everything you own and asks, does this spark joy? And if it doesn't, get rid of it, which is why the Gadinis no longer have cats in their house. You know, the reality is something isn't working because even with 90,000 titles on joy, most people aren't feeling it. I mean, no surprise here, because what God creates can be counterfeited. And the bar for so many is just happiness. That's the counterfeit to joy, and I get it, and I'm not even down on happiness. But given our COVID, racial, political, natural disaster year that we've lived through, it makes sense that happiness is evasive, because happiness is dependent on happenings. 
Our COVID moment has certainly exposed what I would call the fragility of happiness. As our freedoms, as our health, as our dollars, the stock market, our jobs, teenagers, uh, for you teenagers in, in your classrooms get taken away or your sports get taken away, for you extroverts, as your normal human connections get taken away, happiness evaporates and despair creeps in. Friends, happiness is deceptive, uh, even delusional. I mean, it, don't get me wrong, it's a good thing, but it can be deceptive. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25 says this, speaking of Moses, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy, and here it is, the fleeting pleasures of sin. But friends, this passage we're studying today was written, you need to know this, Galatians 5, 22 to 23, in, an, in and to an oppressed people, so oppressed, times so oppressive, it makes our 2020 year look like a fairy tale. Please hear me. Jesus isn't consumed with our happiness. It's not his end goal. His end goals are holiness. And in holiness, there's something much richer, much deeper, much more enduring than what's dependent on circumstances. He wants to give us joy. That word is used a lot in our culture, so let me define joy. How would you define it? Here's mine. Here's the one we're going to work with for the rest of this message. An internal experience of deep contentment and peace produced by the Holy Spirit and grown through a growing relationship and intimacy with Jesus. I want you to break up for a minute and ask this question. What has our COVID crisis revealed to you about your joy? What's robbed you of joy? Given our year, do you even believe that joy is accessible? Take 90 seconds and answer that question. Ready, go. Friends, are you aware that God designed our walk with him to be characterized by joy? 
that's part of our brand, if you will, as followers of Jesus. Hey, come on a joyride with me throughout the Bible. Let's do an overview of this topic. Let's start with God himself. Psalm 1611 says this, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Philosopher, theologian Dallas Willard said this in his book, Divine Conspiracy. We should, to begin with, think that God leads a very interesting life, that he's full of joy, and I love this. Undoubtedly, God is the most joyous being in the universe. (laughs) And God's joy is contagious. When John the Baptist was in utero, as Mary walked in the room with John the Baptist's mother, with Jesus in utero, Elizabeth, John's mom, blurted out in Luke 1.14, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Did you know that God actually demanded and commanded his people to party? That's why in the Hebrew scriptures, God commanded the Israelites to have seven different feasts a year. These were literal parties commanded for the Jewish people. And there actually was a time when Israel stopped their parties during an oppressive time. And God raised up this man named Nehemiah. We studied him a couple years ago. He quickly commanded the parties to be reinstated. Because as he said famously in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. When Jesus was born in Luke 2.10, the angel announced, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you good news that will cause great joy for all the people, all the people. Now think with me, what possible news could be good for all the people? We have no news on this planet that's good for all people. Even when we had the World Cup, someone doesn't like who wins. November 3rd, there's an election in America. Did you know that? (laughs) November 4th, that's not gonna be good news for some of the people. Even the royal wedding of Meghan Markle, Prince Harry, shown around the world. That wasn't good news for all people. Then before his death, in the context of grief, Jesus told his disciples in John 15, 11, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. Look at this. And that your joy may be what? Complete. The word means to be full, to contain as much as possible. This, my friends, is God's design for us through the Holy Spirit. And PCC, if this is such an emphasis throughout the Bible, why is it that so many Christ followers are so joy deficient? And when I say so many Christ followers, I mean me. My own experience, I've confessed to my men's group, I confessed to even to our staff. 2020, it's had glimpses of joy for me, but it's also exposed my happiness idol attachment. And it's exposed the fragility of it. And I've had to live a narrative in 2020 too much filled with anxiety and worry and sleepless night. Hence this series. I desperately need what we're talking about every week, but I desperately need it this week. Let's walk quickly and discover how do we recover joy. I want to give you three points. And the first two are from a book called Philippians. That book is just four chapters long, but joy is mentioned 17 times in the book. You can actually read the book of Philippians, I would encourage you to, in 20 minutes, which means basically every minute almost, Paul mentions joy. And in Philippians chapter four, verse four, Paul gives this audacious command. This is not a suggestion. He says, rejoice in the Lord, look at this word, always. And he says, I'll say it again, rejoice. 
Friends, I want you to know, someone taught me long ago, where God guides, God provides. God would not command us to be joy-filled if he didn't provide for us the way to access the power source for a joy-filled life. Here's the first point. How do we access joy? Reorient your thinking. Reorient your thinking. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, my brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts, circle that, we'll get to it in a minute, on what is true and honorable, what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Let's go back to fix your thoughts. It's actually a play on words. It doesn't just mean, and it does, continually ponder and consider. Let this be the boundary for what you dwell on, okay? Set your mind on. But literally, Paul's talking about fix or repair your thoughts. In other words, he's saying, repair the way you've been thinking. You know, my daughter, fourth daughter, Bella, went to Cal Poly. She's there this fall. And when she moved into the dorms, they gave her a packing list, not just what to bring, but they told her what not to bring. No candles, no incense. Literally, they said, no fireworks, <laughs> no pets except fish. Why? Because Cal Poly knows that fireworks in a dorm room robs you of a healthy college experience. Do you want to know, and the Apostle Paul's getting at the same thing here, do you want to know the greatest influence in your life? Do you know who the greatest influence in your life is? You are. I am in my life. Why? Because we speak to ourselves more than anyone else does. People speak at a tone of about 140, 180 words a minute. I can get up to a gust of 300 words a minute when I'm really excited. But we think at a rate of 400 words a minute. I'm convinced that the root of joylessness is how we choose, how I choose to talk to myself. I actually confess more than often my internal dialogue betrays my identity. So Paul says, you know what? Set your roots deeply in the soil of God's word and let these be the boundary for what you dwell on. He's saying, speak God's word to yourself, what is true and admirable and lovely. I want to say this to us, PCC, if we're going to have joy. Don't believe everything you think. Not all the thoughts that come into your mind are healthy to dwell on. Speak to your thoughts instead of dwelling on them. Some thoughts that come in my mind, I hold up to uh, God's word and to the identity God says is true of me, and I tell on my thoughts sometimes. I'm like, God, look what is coming to my mind. That's not the right thought. Help me. That's what Paul's getting at. Fix your thoughts. Then the second thing is this. Rest in Christ's power. This is so important. Remember the power line illustration we opened with? We have a superpower within us. Look what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. Paul says, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's a full stomach or an empty stomach, whether with plenty or with little. And here it is, friends. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Okay, raise your hand if you like change. My hand's down because I hate change. But our joy in life is largely tied to our ability 
to adapt to change because change happens. I was reading a blog this week called Responses to Why My Son is Crying. It's a great blog. Google it, Responses to Why My Son is Crying. Look at some of these pictures. Here's the first one. I wouldn't let him drink from an open bottle of Budweiser he found in a puddle. <laughs> Look at this crybaby. Robots don't have dads, and that's why he's crying. Look at this next one. This person's, this little kid's crying. The toast isn't square. This is my favorite. And this one's for my Gadini girls, okay? The girls on the floor. The guacamole's too cold. <laughs> you know, we laugh at that, at least I do. I see humor in it, but sometimes I wonder if God looks at my whining, at your whining, and sometimes says, what babies? See, change happens, uh, and it's natural to whine. But what's supernatural is in verse 11. Paul says, I've actually learned something. Even the Apostle Paul had to learn to grow in joy and in contentment. You know what that tells me? Joy doesn't come naturally. We're a lot like those babies in that blog. Friends, change is a part of life. It means growth. The only people aren't change, who aren't changing are dying. And God has given us this superpower to tap into to replace the false security that we place our happiness in that we think gives us stability. Jesus is never ending. And Jesus says, trust me in the journey. You know, in Romans 15, 13, look at this. It says, may the God of hope fill you with what? All joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, Romans 15, 13, overflowing with hope, filled with all joy, that is a brand of Christianity that people will be drawn to. Well, let me give you the third point, and this is so important, and it doesn't come from the book of Philippians, it actually comes from the book of Hebrews, but it's so important, stick with me. The third point is this, replace what's ultimate. Replace what's ultimate. Look what it says in Hebrews 12, one to two. This is so needed for our day. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. In other words, we don't get to choose the race when we come to Christ. He marks out the race for us. How do we do that? We fix our eyes. Wait, wait. Where have we seen that word fix before? Do you remember that? Remember that in Philippians? Fix your mind. Repair what you think about. Here the author of Hebrews says, now fix your eyes. Repair what you're looking at. What are we to fix our eyes on? On Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now look at this. We get a glimpse into Jesus' internal life, who for the joy his vision set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of God. See, we can be so easily distracted as followers of Christ. We can be consumed, it's just natural, by the tsunami of our current events. But herein lies the root of our problem. Hear me on this, okay? We're not setting the ultimate things before our eyes. We're consumed with the current as opposed to being consumed with the ultimate and giving a nod to the current. Let me ask you a question. What gets a pregnant woman through the inconvenience of pregnancy and the pain of childbirth? 
the ultimate thought of bringing life into the world. What gets a med student through the rigors of med school and residency and state boards? The ultimate thought of that doctor living out her calling as a healer. What has gotten followers of Jesus in 2,000 years of history, even in the book of Acts, chapter 8, what got Stephen through getting stoned? The ultimate joy of the coming kingdom. And this, my friends, is what Jesus was fixated on through the crucifixion. I want to say something very gently and humbly, yet boldly, and this might sting a little bit, and I'm saying it to me too. PCC, what we're fixing and setting our eyes on is robbing us of joy. And like a tree branch pulling down our power line to the throne of God, it is robbing us of the radiance we were designed to live with. If the defining narrative of your COVID experience is binge-watching Netflix, if the defining narrative of March and April was watching Lion King or, or Tiger King, whatever it's called, instead of fixating on the King of Kings, if right now your ultimate is CNN or Fox News or the presidential campaign, if right now you can only fix your eyes on Twitter or TikTok or Snapchat feeds or Facebook feeds, no wonder you don't have joy. Honestly, for Christ followers, why not utilize this COVID time and discipline ourselves with the power that Jesus gives to fix our eyes on the ultimate? We invite you into a G4 pathway to do this, to prioritize gathering and fixing your eyes on a worship experience. Get in a house church, it gets even better. To prioritize growing in, 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 a, in a circle, which are much better than rows, to deepen your relationship with Christ to fix your eyes on giving, serve. We need people to serve all over the place in our family ministries, in our ministries of compassion out in the community. Why not memorize scripture and fix your eyes there? Why not use your holy imagination, as C.S. Lewis called it, and think through your first five acts that you want to do in the coming kingdom? Have you thought that? I actually have. I've got my first five acts. They have to do with a feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then I can't wait to reunite with my family and friends in Christ, even some PCCers who've gone before me. And then I want to go on a horse ride with my daughters through Hutterd Park in the coming kingdom. And then I've got a run planned with Jesus in Sequoia Canyon. One of the most beautiful trails I've ever run is outside of Hume Lake. Can't wait to run that with Jesus. See, this is the thing we're called to be, keep before us as the ultimate. I, I want to see people that God has used my life to influence in the coming kingdom and hear the stories of how they've come to Christ. See, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. That joy was the joy of the coming kingdom. What are you setting before yourself? And is it giving you joy? I love how author, theologian, pastor Tim Keller said it, the sin beneath all other sins is a lack of joy in Christ. So let's land the plane. Just some questions and application. This week, I invite you to take an inventory 
of your personal natural tendencies or methods of manufacturing counterfeit joy? Where are you reaching for, for joy? And is it the counterfeit of happiness? Confess those, live free. Confess those and experience the freedom of Jesus. Listen to the Holy Spirit and what he's saying to you. And then embrace a habit to keep God's ultimate joy before you. As we close, I'm not going to close in prayer, but with a benediction found in Jude, a New Testament book, chapter 1, there's only one chapter, verse 24 and 25. Receive this, put out your hands and receive this from me. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault, look at this, and with great joy to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Christ Jesus our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.